Welcome to Federal Insights for October, Cybersecurity Month, sponsored by American Military University. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Dr. Kevin Harris, Cybersecurity Program Director at American Military University. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. Really looking forward to just having this conversation here in Cybersecurity Awareness Month in October. It's really hard to imagine that this has been 17 years since the start of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So definitely great topic and appreciate you having me. Well, I'm going to I'm going to dive right in with some cybersecurity questions here. And I think one of the biggest things that we think about when it comes to cybersecurity is uh, these big companies. There's the Target hack. There's got innumerable numbers of hacks at this point after all these years. But large companies aren't necessarily the only thing we need to think about these days. Can you talk about you know why that is and, and what people are thinking about what's changed? Yeah, no, um, for large companies, of course, there's, you know, a hard, large focus there. But also, um, you know, with the explosion of Internet of Things devices, um, that's really um, important topic cybersecurity is for the consumer. You know, we talk about, you know, everyone talks about 2020 being so different. And I think it's one of the things that we see also as a consumer of purchasing these devices. Um, we've got so many devices in our home. I was talking with another colleague uh, recently, and he's in the cybersecurity space. So he was doing a scan of his home network and he said he found close to 30 devices and he was under the impression that something was wrong but then when he investigated all these devices they actually were 30 devices that he had connected uh, wirelessly in his network you know so not hard for us to kind of expand the number of devices that we have in our houses uh, whether there are refrigerators or toasters uh, garage um, openers all of these are these extra devices um, that are we're being added and are all uh, potential vulnerabilities um, to our networks. I think that's a um, piece that we can kind of de delve into some is the Internet of Things or IoT devices. So I know that my uh, bathroom scale is uh, connected to the Internet, so <laughs> I can definitely feel you there. Uh, I guess the question is, though, is that, you know, all of these different disaggregated uh, different sorts of, of things connected to the Internet who's in charge of making sure that they can make it, uh, you know, that they're, they're safe, right? So, you know, it, who is it the refrigerator company? Is it the FCC? Is it you personally? Uh, you know, how do we make sure that, that each one's safe and who's responsible for it? Well, I think the first thing is just us as a user being aware of the vulnerabilities and the fact that our data is out there. You know, if we think about it, you know, most of the time if we're renting a car, uh, we're concerned with the insurance on a vehicle, um, what's our liability there. But now are we looking at that rental agreement and saying, you know, what happens with this data um, if I sync my phone? Who owns it? You know, who has access to the GPS on the um, car while we're driving it? And um, those questions, a lot of times, maybe they're in the rental agreement and maybe they're not, or we just don't focus on that. So that could be a potential, you know, thing. We want to make sure we have an um, agreement that has the best insurance, but also um, is our data protected. So I think um, that's the first step um, is us as a user of making sure that we're aware of these risks. And so in this case, it's the uh, legal implications um, that are out there of understanding that, you know, our data is there. And so we're giving up, you know, some of our protection for convenience. Um, and so I think we constantly have to think of that, not only is something convenient, um, but what are some of the risks? And so just the proliferation of these devices makes us, you know, really be need the need to be more vigilant 
about our security. And so our tech companies, um, a lot of times the convenience, they want to deliver a device um, that's easy for the user. So when we take it out of the box, it connects. Um, there's not a lot of settings that we have to go through. But is that the best case for security practices? And so the tech companies have to play a role in this of making sure that they weigh that ease of use versus um, delivering a device that securely connects um, to a network. So I think it's, it's a collaborative effort. And how much responsibility does a consumer or a user have? I mean, um, you know, sometimes these terms and agreements are like 80 pages long, right? Um, you know, how can we just at least make sure that we're trying to be safe uh, without having to waste, you know, three hours reading that? Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Easy bedtime reading, huh? But no, just making sure that uh, we know that we are a cyber warrior, you know, that us as a user, we've got to investigate, you know, when we download an app to our phone, what permissions are we giving away to download that app? You know, we see that with certain apps, you know, TikTok's been in the news a lot um, lately. Um, just we, we need to take that first step. And, you know, a lot of users always say, I don't have anything to hide. So, um, I'm really not concerned about it. And so we've got to take that step of understanding that even though there's nothing to hide, uh, quote, um, that device could be used to uh, compromise another system. We kind of saw that recently as Microsoft um, prevented an attack um, using the um, TrickBot botnet um, that they identified a potential uh, use of ransomware. And so that was, they had to work collaboratively. You talk about whose responsibility um, was it so Microsoft had to work with um, uh, telecoms across the uh, world uh, to stop this along with different agencies such as the U.S. Cyber Command. So there you see a private company had to reach out to global partners as well as government agencies to stop a um, potential hack from happening. And this gets a little bit into the future, but also even to now, you know, I know that there's uh, some people who have pacemakers or things like that. Those are connected to the internet. Um, you know, how does that, the health implications of this got to move into to the cybersecurity, especially now in this world of COVID where, um, you know, that might have some sort of, uh, you know, implication as well. Yeah. So you see some of these devices, such as the pacemakers and other implantable devices really can... Um, move an individual's treatment from needing to be inside of a medical facility for them being able to go home and spend time with their family, return to work, but still remain under that kind of watchful eye of a medical professional. So it's great, um, again, um, convenience. And in this case, kind of really can improve someone's quality of life. But again, it is a vulnerability. And in this case, if vulnerabilities aren't addressed properly, it could be life, um, you know, threatening. So it's something that these companies and the user also needs to be aware of, you know, that so if they if there is a vulnerability address that they are um, getting um, that system patched or that vulnerability, um, you know, um, fixed. So these are all things that, you know, in the medical field are important. Wearable devices, you know, a lot of our different, um, whether they're wearable, we've got watches and rings now uh, also can, um, capture our health data. And so where is that information stored? Who has access to it? Uh, privacy uh, concerns arise there is that if we are storing that information on another server or in the cloud, who has access to it? When do they have access to it? Who do they share that data with? So these are, you know, all, all concerns. I know, and you mentioned the COVID era that we live in, 
Um, these are some questions that come up with contact tracing. You know, how long is that data kept? Who has access to it? Um, you know, so these are just you talk about what can we do as a user. And I think a lot of times it's asking these questions so that we're really aware and that we're knowledgeable about our data, which right now, um, you know, our digital self, our digital footprint is important as anything else. So we need to do what we can to protect that data. Great. And uh, I know that that's definitely going to bleed into some of the critical infrastructure, which I think we're going to talk about after the commercial break here real quick. So my guest today is Dr. Kevin Harris, Cybersecurity Program Director at American Military University. And I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni on Federal Insights, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Network. American Military University is recognized by the NSA as a national center of excellence for cyber defense education and proudly serves our nation's cybersecurity community. AMU is at the forefront of cyber education, offering online bachelor's and master's degrees and certificates designed for the modern cyber warrior and respected by area employers. Programs are affordable and classes are monthly to fit your life. Start today at amuonline.com. AMU is part of American Public University System, which is certified to operate by Chef. Welcome back to Federal Insights, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Network. My guest today is Dr. Kevin Harris. He's the Cybersecurity Director at American Military University, and I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni. So, Kevin, we were talking about health and, and all the things that we wear and how that uh, has the potential to not only uh, harm a singular person, but also to uh, be a backdoor into other programs and things like that. Let's talk about critical infrastructure, uh, you know, water, electricity, all those other good things. Um, you know, what are the impacts that cybersecurity have on those and, and also hackers? Yeah, thanks, Scott, for bringing that up. So we move from, the, you know, our consumer concerns of the devices that we have in our house, but also, um, you know, as a, as a nation, um, you know, as a global um, economy and worldwide uh, scale that we live in today, uh, these are some large concerns. So as we've seen, they grow from 2010, where we had Stuxnet that, uh, you know, targeted some uh, nuclear uh, reactors. And so it really started that kind of Pandora's box of us looking at, you know, what are the potential implications that someone could um, harm a critical infrastructure, such as a utility. And so it brings us to where we're at today, where that's a you know, high risk uh, category and concern of uh, cyber threats and still that's a, con you know, collaborative effort that we talked about in the last segment uh, between um, private um, entities and also government agencies of making sure that the things that um, kind of keep our life functioning on the day to day are protected, you know, and a lot of these systems, we talk about utility systems, um, they are interconnected. And so the monitoring of these systems potentially are remotely um, done um, by someone or they're also connected, the controls are connected. So the inability to monitor a system could lead to a negative impact or someone was able to manipulate um, what the system, um, the sensors responded with. So someone monitoring may think they need to adjust the level up when really it needs to be adjusted down or vice versa can have a um, huge impact. So making sure these systems that are connected um, are um, secure. And we see this with the Space Force even of recognizing that this is a concern. We've got satellites that control, you know, our GPS systems and other systems, our um, cable systems that we work with, 
communicate with are all part of this global network. And so we want to make sure that they're protected not only physically, but also um, the um, networks that connect them are secure. Um, also, um, as we move into the expansion of uh, 5G, you know, 5G um, gives us a huge opportunity. And I think some of the opportunities are still, um, you know, to be seen. But one of the concerns that we have is does drastically increase the number of devices, uh, both as endpoint devices. So now we've potentially got vehicles and other, we talked about wearable and implantable technologies that could all be um, connected um, as part of a 5G network. So all those are um, uh, vulnerability points that if not properly addressed could compromise the uh, security. And also um, because of the way a 5G operates, there's more transmitters. And so each of those transmitters has to be protected as well. And so just making sure that we're aware of risk and make, taking the proper steps to protect them is extremely um, important. And do we have a good understanding of the needs uh, for these vulnerabilities or where vulnerabilities lie? I know that there's some National Guard units that are actually in charge of checking out this critical infrastructure, especially in Washington and out in California and things like that. But uh, do we know uh, the, the extent of the problem? Do we know what we, we need to know? Yeah, I think that's always that question, you know, um, do we know what we don't know? And, and there are vulnerabilities that are discovered, um, you know, that are zero day. And so the vulnerabilities discovered and released at the exact moment um, when someone recognizes it. And so they, you know, realistically, there are vulnerabilities that um, are not um, discovered, have not been discovered yet. But, you know, I think that's one of the great things is, you know, we've got great partners locally at state levels, government, uh, federal government level that are all working to make sure exactly what you said happens, you know, that they're, that they're on it, you know, that they're on top of it. They've got um, skilled individuals um, that are looking to protect us just as we protected um, the nation for years, um, militaristically, but also um, now we're moving to the next stage is cyber, you know, so we're uh, have the um, same hard work that's uh, been done uh, previously continued. I wanted to move a little bit to the election because, I mean, I think that that's another area that not only is the National Guard working in, in that area, but um, the, you know, this is something that we need to keep safe and make sure it's not hacked and, and uh, that would be a huge concern. So, um, you know, what are you hearing about it and where, you know, where, how are we keeping it safe? Yeah, definitely a concern. You know, one of the 2020 concerns um, also that are there along with COVID, you know, is our election and making sure that our election is secure. And so one of the good things about this is that our electronic voting machines are air gapped, uh, meaning that they are not connected with external networks. So greatly uh, reduces the risk. And the majority of our electronic voting machines uh, um, do have a paper audit trail associated with it, again, uh, drastically reduces it. So um, our, our voting process uh, is secure, you know, will continue to be secure. But w with that said, you know, there are risks in the, you know, the, the wider, uh, the wider, I guess, um, especially media related. Um, when we talk about earlier in the early segment, um, the uh, Microsoft's efforts to thwart an attack um, that potentially could have manipulated um, systems or social media accounts, um, they're using the TrickBot network. And so 
while that's important is a large number of individuals now get their news from social media or online. And so um, that has potential if someone's able to manipulate websites or social media accounts or and spread false information, whether it's using a deep fake account. Um, so these are things that drastically need to be um, look, looked at and um, identified by the tech companies. And so the tech companies and the example uh, we talked about with Microsoft um, finding this uh, recently um, and working with global partners to stop it is the tech companies have to embrace that role to help make sure that more of the information is um, vetted um, and fake information is at least um, noted so that people are aware that this is not um, you know, real information that's spread across the internet, because we see so often that fake information can, um, you know, fly through the internet so quickly. So I'm glad to see that the tech companies um, are taking this seriously and embracing this role and just making sure that our election and our um, information leading up to the election is important because, you know, we've um, a lot of people predict that this will be a close election. And so even if people are able to manipulate information after the fact, and, you know, one of the risks would be calling into question the results of the election. So um, before and after the election, it's really important to our tech companies to uh, make sure the information being spread is accurate. We're, we're all in this together. You know, we've got a trained, uh, well-trained cyber workforce, um, both at our companies and um, at our um, government agencies. Um, so we're just uh, going to continue um, the role. Well, we're going to take one more break. My guest today is Dr. Kevin Harris, Cybersecurity Program Director at American Military University. And I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, on Federal Insights, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Network. American Military University is recognized by the NSA as a national center of excellence for cyber defense education and proudly serves our nation's cybersecurity community. AMU is at the forefront of cyber education, offering online bachelor's and master's degrees and certificates designed for the modern cyber warrior and respected by area employers. Programs are affordable and classes are monthly to fit your life. Start today at amuonline.com. AMU is part of American Public University System, which is certified to operate by CHEV. Welcome back to Federal Insights, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Network. My guest today is Dr. Kevin Harris. He's the Cybersecurity Program Director at American Military University, and I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni. So, you know, we were talking about the election uh, and all the, the needs that we have for cybersecurity. We're talking about the needs for cybersecurity in the private sector, in the public sector. Um, where are the needs in the sense of filling those uh, roles and having people to actually fill that role. Uh, you know, it seems like there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be needed um, to, to do these sorts of jobs. So how are we handling that? Yeah, no, uh, great, Scott. Um, great question. Um, we talked about, you know, IoT devices um, just exploding, the number of devices we have in our house. We talked about our critical infrastructure, the need to um, support um, our utilities and other um, functions such as banking and the financial sector all together. And so who's, who's doing it? Um, and so the, the short answer is that the great thing is there are um, jobs available in the field if you're interested in the field. So that, that's great. The downside to that is there are too many jobs available. <laughs> uh, so they're close, they're over um, 
a half a million jobs in the United States alone in the cybersecurity space that remain unfilled. Um, globally, we go up to closer to three million jobs in the cybersecurity space that um, are left unfilled. So um, it's it's an area that you know everyone's looking at. Organizations of different types and sizes um, want someone that's qualified and willing to help protect their critical digital assets. And so, you know, it, it goes from the um, large uh, fortune, um, you know, whatever company to a small to medium sized business to a government agency. Um, they all need their data protected. And even though we think, you know, a lot of times our lar large companies and our government agencies that this is more important to a small to medium sized business that is um, impacted negatively by a cyber attack, um, they can be put out of business. Um, and so they may not have the insurance coverage um, or the um, capital to recover from such an incident. So it's very important that we look to kind of build this um, capacity um, so that we can um, close some of this skills gap so we don't have these millions of unfulfilled jobs um, in the space. You know, every job that's left um, unfilled in the cybersecurity space is a risk to not just that company, but to everyone. And so we really want to make sure that we can find ways to increase the number of individuals that are looking to uh, pursue um, careers, um, you know, in this field. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, is there a gap between, um, you know, women, minorities who are in this, you know, I know that STEM has not exactly been um, favorable toward uh, those sorts of groups. It's been a very white male dominated sort of area. Um, you know, so how can we bring more people in and, and what is the status of it right now? Yep. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, this kind of follows the same pan. You, you said um, STEM altogether. Um, exactly. This um, follows the kind of the same pattern as you mentioned about STEM fields altogether. Um, the IT field and specifically the cybersecurity field that we're talking about is not um, different. So we talk about women and minority um, groups are um, underrepresented in this field. And so it, it's another area, you know, that if we build the um, capacity um, of women and minorities that are in STEM, it's not only doing the thing that's right, but it's also helping to address some of these um, critical needs that, you know, we have as a country in this potential field. So, I mean, we just really want to uh, make sure that, um, that there is exposure. I have this saying that I like to say, you know, exposure changes attitudes. And so it's important for, you know, us collectively to make sure that individuals are exposed to um, tech fields, specifically cybersecurity fields early um, and often. Um, so it's not just that one camp that someone took in the summer, but that it's introduced in their curriculum. They're made aware that their degrees, um, when they um, decide that they're going to go to college, that um, cybersecurity is a degree and also that that myth is dispelled that someone has to be a mathematician to enter the cybersecurity field. And they are plenty of jobs that, you know, are high math um, functioning um, careers. And so those are there, but there's also a lot of other cybersecurity um, jobs that are available that don't require extensive math skills. And so we just want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're working to make sure that this field is inclusive to everybody. And the more we make this field more inclusive, the safer um, we are as a as a larger community. 
I know the Defense Department as a whole, you know, what they say is because they're working right now on diversity and inclusion, bringing more in, despite the, the Army being an extremely diverse and inclusive uh, place. Um, you know, one of the reasons that they say they need this is it brings in different backgrounds, different ideas that, you know, just one group of people maybe not would not think to solve a problem in, in one way, but, you know, someone else with a different sort of, uh, you know, background may think differently about it. So, you know, something to definitely keep in mind, I guess. Yeah, definitely. You know, you've got um, organizations out there on, that are really at the forefront um, working with there. I know we've got the International Consortium of Minority Cybersecurity Professionals is one organization that, you know, really works to uh, provide mentorships and works with companies to um, provide internships. Um, you know, there's other organizations, the Urban League. Um, I've recently been able to serve on a panel with both of those organizations working to make sure that this topic, you know, is one that um, is, is a continued conversation. And so, um, as you said, um, a lot of um, agencies and organizations are starting to understand this, that having that, um, you know, just um, diverse um, thought is important. Um, and it's also, I think there's some stats out there that show that companies that do have a more diverse staff, you know, are more profitable. So it's, again, another reason uh, to do it. And, you know, speaking of education and bringing in people, you work for a uh, major university when it comes to this sort of thing. Uh, you know, what, what is American Military University offering uh, when, it, when it comes to this kind of stuff? And how are you keeping up with the, the constantly changing pace of, of IT? Yeah, IT is something that's constantly changing. And so it's something that, you know, we work to identify new areas, um, you know, that we can um, provide, you know, um, curriculum around. And when we talk about the critical infrastructure, that's an area that we've recently identified of needing um, and uh, that there's being a need. And so we've looked at um, in 2021, we'll be adding a concentration in our uh, cybersecurity program that focuses on critical infrastructure. And then also with, um, we um, have an industry advisory committee that we work with in our different um, programs to identify um, programs or times that we want to make these improvements. And another area um, is privacy and surveillance. And so that's another concentration that we're looking at adding um, in 2021 as a privacy and surveillance concentration. So to kind of take a look at, you know, in addition to technically when we can do something, what are the implications of doing it, and what are some of um, the areas that are impacted uh, differently when a new technology or innovation is implemented. And Kevin, I understand that American Military University has been designated a uh, cyber center of excellence by NSA, the Department of Homeland Security. How does that work into the way that your school runs and then also the way that people perceive it? Thanks, Scott. The designation that we received by the NSA of being a center of academic excellence for cyber defense is something that we're really proud of. Our uh, program curriculum and our objectives of the program were reviewed and really reinforced our work with our industry advisory committee to develop a program that is in line with industry needs so that our students are prepared when they leave us to seek employment. And so it's something that we're proud of. And so, you know, our students that leave us are something that we continue to be proud of when they uh, transition to alum alumni. So thank you for mentioning that. Well, Kevin, it's been a real pleasure talking to you about everything. We really appreciate your time. 
I really appreciate it. And thanks for giving me the opportunity, Scott. Dr. Kevin Harris, he's the Cybersecurity Program Director at American Military University. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, and you're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search American Military University. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights for October, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Network.